So um, today is another beautiful day that the Lord has uh, created and given us to enjoy. And we get the privilege of doing that. So um, we're going to continue with our series or our preaching that we've been doing for the last um, four months uh, from the book of Philippians. We have learned, we have uh, um, engaged, we have discussed, we have learned a whole bunch of things. But this morning in particular, um, we, we, we've ended up in uh, Philippians 1 verse 11, which uh, highlighted the need for us to pause and uh, look at the fruits of righteousness, which then pointed us to the book of Galatians, which um, is, speaks about the fruit of, of the Spirit. And uh, this is what uh, Philippians 1 verse 11 says. It says, Fill, being filled with the fruit of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. That's what uh, Philippians 1.11 says. Being filled with the fruit of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. And so the first questions we, we got to ask is, um, or we, the first thing we need to note is that Jesus is the one who fills us with the fruits. We need to understand that. We need to make note of that. It's him who fills us with the fruit. It's not us. It's not our Christianity, not our niceness. It's him who fills us with these fruits. But then the question has to be asked, why? We see the answer right there in that in the scripture. For God, the Father's glory and praise. So Jesus saves us, yeah, brings us into his kingdom. He fills us with these fruits. Uh, and for the purpose of that is for the Father's glory and praise. Now, it starts off in verse 11 saying, Being filled with the fruits of righteousness. Now, the meaning of righteousness in the Greek is right standing before men and God. In the Greek, righteousness is right standing before men and God. I know in the Christian circle, sometimes we think we are, we are righteous because we are standing well before God. But actually, if you're not standing well with each other, there's a break. It, it's, 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 a, um, uh, it's, a, it's a package deal. You cannot say that you are righteous if you're not standing well, just if you're not standing well between us. You remember the cross and the two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with everything in you. And then the second one is like it, love your neighbor. So you can't love God who you do not see, John says, and then say that you... Um, uh, you don't love those that you do see. So to stand to in the Greek to be righteous as, as the Greek translates it is we have to be standing right before each other and before God. It's a package deal. If it's broken, there's a break. There's a break. So Galatians 5.22 says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Verse 23, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Nothing. So last week we looked at the, the first fruit, which is love. We understand and, and learn that love 
is the supreme um, virtue of the fruit. It comes first because it holds everything together. You remember in, also in scripture it speaks about if you have uh, all sorts of things um, and have no love, it's like a clanging gong. You're just doing things out of routine. Uh, Jesus also added in John says that my people will know that you are my disciples by the way you love each other. When they see your love for one another, they'll know that you are my disciples. I can say that um, uh, I love you, but if my actions don't portray that I love you, uh, how is the world going to know that we are his disciples? So love is the first virtue of the fruit that, that Jesus gives us. Remember that these fruits are given to us for the praise and glory of him. So when I love you because not out of my own self, not my own ability, because it's impossible. But when I love you with the ability that I'm given by Christ, it gives God glory. It gives God praise. Because there are some people on this earth, it's very, very hard to love. We know that. We are in this world, but not of the world. We are to be different. How can you be different? You can't. The world is pushing you to be like the world. But when you have the Spirit in you, helping you, and He exudes and gives you His love for one another, Man, the world says there's something different about that. Something different about these people. So the second fruit is joy. Joy is the second sign of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. So it's love together and then it's joy. Now I want you to just have that in the back of your mind. Joy. What is joy? Joy. Joy. The word joy means state of delight. State of being. The spirit-filled believer carries a sense of gladness. You just carry a sense of gladness. It doesn't matter what's happening, but there's just a sense in you. You're just happy. You're just joyful. You're just glad. You're glad that it's raining. You're happy. You're glad that uh, things are happening. It looks as though there's chaos everywhere, but you're, still, you, you're, glad, you, you're happy. There's joy in you. You, can, you cannot explain it, but there's just joy in you. See, spiritual believers living with joy do not depend on circumstances to go their way, to keep their joy. Because they have a great confidence in God's sovereignty. So, Christian, you, us, you and I, it doesn't matter what's happening. The world looks as though things are falling apart. Man, there's darts being shot your way and all sorts. It does not, if you're uh, a, a spiritual christian there's something in you that just helps you to carry on it just gives you joy it doesn't matter it does not matter what's happening it doesn't matter what news comes your way it doesn't matter what uh, you've been labeled or what this is happening or strikes potential strikes and school um, headaches and business it doesn't matter actually there's just a gladness in us because why we are filled by the spirit of god and because we are filled by him, he gives us joy. Joy everlasting. Which is not, you can't explain it. I mean, you try and explain it yourself. Uh, you're having a bad day, as it were. Uh, are you generally joyful if you're having a bad day? It's, it's like, it's, let's be honest. It's, it's, it's not, no, it's, it's, it's hard. I will, I will not say that I'm having a, a joyful day when I'm having a bad day. But actually... 
Yes, in life we'll have all sorts of troubles, all sorts of trials, all sorts of life throws, there's darts, all sorts of things. We are in a war anyway. But because we are filled by the Spirit of God, we have joy because we understand God's sovereignty in our lives. We think of um, Romans 8.28 where it speaks about that uh, He works all things together. He does. Those that He pre He foreknew, He predestined, He glorified and He justified. He's done that already. That's us. It's not, it's not talking about other people. It's us. It's you and I as, as uh, sons and daughters of the Most High. So actually, because we understand the truth of the word, we are able, to, no matter what dart comes our way, no matter what comes our uh, we get whatever circumstance gets thrown our way, we are able to just hold on to those truths. That actually God's sovereignty is still at work. Remember that famous uh, um, scripture in Philippians um, when verse 6, he who began a good work in you, in us, in I, will carry it on and will bring it to completion. Man, if that's true, then why do we, what we, what we bother? Why do we get so caught up with the now, the, the stuff that is good? Why? If God has started it, he will continue. Paul says that in a, such a, uh, he's got such a confidence. He starts that verse saying that, I am confident that he who began a good work. And we concluded that he is only confident because God does not start a work and then just leave it unaccomplished. Just, just abandon it halfway because it's too difficult. Oh man, you know, uh, life is difficult. So God says, oh, sorry, sorry for you. I'm not now. Wipe that and go start. No, no. Whatever God starts, He will bring it to completion, and that's a confidence that we have. So that, which then should give us confidence. It should give us confidence, which then sets out a joy in us, and that's why Nehemiah would say to us in in Nehemiah eight ten, that um, we are not to sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is Old Testament. We're not too sorry. We're not to be fine, sorrowful because the joy of the Lord is our strength. See, joy is not happiness. You to get that clear. Joy is not happiness. Because happiness depends on circumstances. I win the lotto. Oh man, I am happy. <laughs> For one day. For <laughs> it depends how much you win, you know. Um, and then you run out, then you're not happy. Um, or things go well, or work is great. Think, happiness is dependent on circumstances. Joy does not depend on circumstances. For it is the inner animation of the soul that is glad to know that God's sovereign will is taking place in our lives. He's working things out. He's working things out. And that's what we've got to always get back to. God, you're busy. You started a work in me. You've, if you've saved me, well, you haven't taken me to heaven yet. Oh, that means I've got a work. You've got, some to, you've got something for me to achieve. You've got a purpose. You've got a plan for me. And actually, there's a, there's a, the, uh, that should give us joy in itself because he's busy with us. He's busy with us. Joy is a sense of contentment in God's dealing with us. Whew, that's a hard one. So God is dealing with you and I. However, whether it's up or down in your, uh, however you look at it, but joy that comes, that a spiritual Christian has, comes out of the place where you know that actually God is dealing with you. And actually because God cares for you so much that he won't leave you to just be. 
He will deal with you and change and help you and, and transform you because every day we are being transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. Now, I've, I've heard it said, people will say, you know, life is hard. For the Christian, life is hard. For the world, life is hard. And one of the answers I'll give the guys and say, yes, life is hard. And people will say, okay, well, I'm going through A, B, C, D. Why? I'm a Christian. I follow God. I do this. Why is it happening to me? And um, I'll say, yes, life is hard. You're following the right way and things don't seem to be going right. Life is hard. You think about Jesus. Do you think it was fair for him to go to the cross? Life was hard. It was not fair for him to go to the cross. He didn't deserve to go to the cross. But this was God's will. For you and I, for that love that I spoke about, the first fruits of the Spirit, that that love can be exuded, it can be, it can be expressed to us. Life is unfair. But it's unfair if you're looking at yourself. It's unfair if you're looking at the circumstances where, you face, where, where you're at. Life is unfair. But if you look at the Father, we sang that song, if, that, if those words are true, that it was completed upon the cross, life is not unfair. Because God's sovereign work and will is taking place. Listen to what John 15, 11 reminds us. It says this. this uh, sorry, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. I've spoken these things to you, so that my joy, Jesus Christ, begins to the disciples, that your, my joy, I'm about to leave, all things are going to happen, but I've spoken these things to you, so that my joy, May remain in you. It mustn't disappear. It mustn't go. It must remain in you. And that your joy may be full. When his joy remains in you, in you as a Christian, your joy that he's given you then becomes full. So whatever's happening happens, but it doesn't actually affect your joy. Your state of delight. Your state of being. See, joy is a, is a character quality produced by the Holy Spirit. That has a sense of well-being, knowing that all is well in God's sovereign purposes in our lives. This joy comes from the spirit-filled life. I'm pointing spirit-filled, spirit-filled, spirit So there's a key here. Excuse me, there's a key. And the key is not you. The key is Him, Jesus, who fills us with the Spirit. The Spirit... Not for our own good, although it does come out as we, we enjoy the goodness of, of the fruit of that. But it's actually for the glory and praise of our God. And so if us Christians would get away from all about me, me, how I feel and what. Actually, God, you're doing, you've given me this fruit of righteousness. You, you're doing what you need to do. Why? For the praise and glory of our King. Man, life will be different. Our outlook on life will be different. And so um, I keep on saying the Holy Spirit, a spiritful life. Without Him, it's impossible to be joyful because then we depend on circumstances. Lotto comes, you win for a day, and you're happy. But that's circumstantially based. Is it even English? Circumstantially, ma'am? I mean, teacher. Um, you know, this is what the, the, um, Romans 14 says about the Holy Spirit. It says, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, Ooh. but righteousness and peace 
and joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy in the Holy Spirit. Trying to emphasize joy in the Holy Spirit. Not joy outside of the Holy Spirit because it's not true joy. It's joy in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit-filled believer carries joy in difficult circumstances. The fruit of the Spirit called joy does not depend on circumstances to change our direction, to change our view, to, to doesn't ebb and flow in our lives. Because why we are spirit-filled? Spirit-filled. 1 Peter, sorry, I'm reading quite a bit of scripture, but I'm just trying to highlight the, the, the essence of joy. What is joy? How do we um, practically uh, live out a life full of joy? Not fake joy, not being... Uh, superficial, uh, I'm, I'm joyful. No, no, you can be angry. Life is hard. But actually, there's a, in, um, a joy in you that you cannot explain. And that can only come from the Holy Spirit. So this is what 1 Peter 1, 6 to 9 says. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. You rejoice with joy. You don't see him, but you believe in him. But you are rejoicing with joy because of what's to come. In the face of rejection and hatred of men, Jesus went to the cross with a sense of joy. <laughs> with a sense of joy because you knew he was in the plan of God. Do you remember that last bit um, when he was going to Calvary? Uh, Golgotha, I think the place where he got crucified. Um, he says, he goes and uh, isolates himself and says, Father, if it's possible, please will you take this cup away from me? Please, if it's possible, take this cup from me. But not my will, your will. I wonder how life looks like. How often, what are we praying? You know, God, remove that. Do this. Do that. Uh, and it's okay to pray this. And Jesus himself, in his humanity, pray, Lord, if, you can, if it's possible, just take it away. So it's not wrong to pray those prayers. But the ending is what is even more crucial, where he submitted and said, Father, I don't want this cup. If it's possible, take it away. But not my will. Let your will be done. Let your will be done. And because Jesus knew that uh, he was in the heart, in, in the will of God, he was able to face the cross with the gruesome death and pain that he went through because he knew what, what laid ahead. He was in God's plan. You remember the famous Psalm fifty-one, twelve: Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me by your generous spirit. Joy of your salvation. Uphold me by your generous spirit. See, 1 Timothy 1.11 tells us that God himself is blessed. And since God is blessed, he wants his people to be blessed. It's nothing wrong to be blessed. Joy is a blessing. 
joy is a blessing. I say blessing and we think you want the lottery. You want to get big bucks, you want to get cars and all sorts of lekker things. No, no. Joy in itself, the spiritual joy that comes from, from God is a blessing. A joy-orientated God wants joy-orientated people because we are being transformed into the image and likeness of our, of our King. And if this is how God is, He is blessed. He wants us to be blessed as well. And I'm afraid to say, and I say this as loving as possible, that if our hearts are without joy, I'm afraid to say, that it is our fault. It's not God's fault. Let that sink in. No condemnation, no, but look at your life. If you are unhappy, you don't have joy, it's not God's fault. You need to, you, it's not God's fault. It's got to do with you. There must be something in our soul that is kind of stopping that flow of joy. There has to be something. And generally, you've got to look at yourself. You've got to ask yourself, what? Why am I? I'm, why? Why? Yes, yes, things are happening. The circumstances look as well. They, they die and all the rest. I'm, I'm, I, but I don't have this joy that the word speaks. This, I mean, joy, joy, joy. There's so many scriptures that speak about joy, but I'm not living it. I'm not seeing it. Why? Then you've got to look at yourself and say, okay, what's happening? What about, uh, and often not, not self-condemnation, but it's almost self-examination. And often you'll find that there might be unrepented sin that needs to be confessed. Because remember, God cannot be where sin is. He cannot be where sin is. And how, what does he say? You need to repent of your sins. And um, allow him to show you those. There might be even sins that um, are hidden that you're not even aware of. And he's saying, I want to put my finger on that. Because that thing is stopping you from having full expression of joy. Full expression of joy. See, God will show us that, that thing that is stopping you, that thing that unconfessed sin, for instance, or one that you already know, that you know that you need to deal with, but you haven't, and you just, you're battling. He'll help you to deal with that because he's in you. He loves you, and he, you're his daughter. You're his son. Um, but you have to acknowledge that you need him to do that for you. You need him to help us. And so that thing needs to be highlighted. It needs to be expressed to him. You need to confess to him and say, God, uh, oh, I didn't see that. I didn't see it. Now I see it. Uh, repent. Job, um, in his discourse with God, with his um, hard life, as it were, you know, Job was a self-righteous man, man. He was so righteous that this guy would go and pray for on behalf of his kids so that if they sin, that they don't get punished because he's sacrificing, he's doing all these good things that, and um, uh, so that God would protect them and take care of them. Uh, and in his discourse with God, he, he says, you know, I have done all these things. And then God comes and says to him, uh, okay, so if you are so righteous and you saw this and saw that, um, can you bring me as God to an account? Show me. Bring me. Who holds the universe in the palm of, of, the, uh, of your hands? Who allows for animals to... To be for the oceans to do this and the elements, the earth, the sun, the sky, all these things to happen. Who do you, Mr. Job, righteous man? Do you? And then he says, um, "No." He realizes, "No, I, no, I can't. I'm so sorry." Job says, "I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I have, 
I have, uh, I have self, I have tried to make myself more self-righteous than what I, I am. But I am, the fact is I'm sinful. I am, I am a mere mortal, a man before you. I am dust before you. And his response, when he realized that, you know, he's gone through all sorts, his response was, yes, I am not God, I'm not you. But he fell on his knees and repented said i'm sorry and that's a heart attitude that we need to have as christians where we realize god exposes all sorts of things and we realize we're in the wrong and you drop down before god and you repent and as you repent god uh, just begins to just overwhelm me with his love again the love that never disappeared was there but he it was there was a blockage because of self-righteousness because of this because of that because of um uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not in right standing with it, with the people God has given me around, or whatever the case is. God highlights and says, and you say, okay, well, God, please forgive me and help me. You repent. Um, See, so God wants and expects to fill each believer with joy, and that's a statement. It's not a, a maybe. God expects and wants each believer to be filled with joy. That's why it says in the in the in Galatians five, if the fruit of the spirit is love and joy. That joy wouldn't be there if he didn't want us to have it as his children. Um, so the, this morning I, I would ask you: Is your heart full of joy? Is your heart full of joy? I know it's December. <laughs> it's been a long year, and all sorts. But is your heart still full of joy? Jesus wants to. Fill your heart. He doesn't want to give you half joy. Doesn't want you to walk around. You know. You know. You get those two types of people: half, what they say, half empty, and half full. God wants you to be full, full all the time. And when it wanes, the joy starts going. He wants to top it up again. But how do you top it up again? We'll, we'll see shortly. Do you walk around in the Christian life with a full tank of joy? I'll admit I don't always. I need help. I don't always walk with a full tank of joy. Circumstances come my way and I'm like, oh, depleted. That glass just kind of starts going down. But you see, um, Peter reminds us that um, we can have joy unspeakable. <laughs> joy unspeakable, even in adversity. Even in the difficult times, Peter, 1 Peter um, 1 8 says that we can have joy unspeakable even in, ad in adversity. That is, it, it's, it's, it's not a human ability. You cannot be, have joy in, in a difficult situation if you're not a, a full, uh, full spirit filled Christian. It's impossible. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 also tells us that God wants us to have persistent and insistent joy. 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 I mean, I can go through all sorts of scriptures about joy. Flipping that we, we're going through, we'll get to uh, this uh, chapter. Chapter 4, verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice. Tell me if it's, if it's easy to rejoice when things are difficult. It is not easy to, to rejoice, but Philippians encourages us. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, he says, rejoice. I cannot rejoice if I don't have joy in my, in my heart. It's just, uh, then I'll be lying to myself. 
So then the question here is, how do we remain joyful irrespective of our circumstances? How do we remain joyful like those kids? And how? You know, they don't have any issues. Life is taken care of. Parents are looking after them, all sorts. And the same for us. Uh, God is looking after. But how do we remain joyful? How do we remain truly joyful irrespective of what's going on? And the answer is simple. By simply yielding to the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We need Him. Jesus said, it will be better for me to leave when He left the earth, when He was leaving the disciples. It will be better for me to leave because I'll send you one. And when He comes, you will have fullness of joy. You will have more than what you have now. Uh, because He's everywhere. He can help us. He, he works in our weaknesses. He upholds us. He helps us. He, it is better for God, uh, Jesus in His flesh, to leave this, this earth so that He can send the Holy Spirit. So the, the, and the qualifying scripture there is what I read earlier, earlier on. John 15 verse 11. Jesus says to them, these things I have spoken to you. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you. So Jesus spoke these things to the disciples, so that his joy, Jesus' joy can remain in him. Uh, these things he's spoken to us today. It wasn't just them, it's us today. But how do we know what he's spoken to us? If we are not spending time in his word. We've got to spend time in His Word so that we know what these things that He has spoken to them, to us about. It's not just something that's up in the air. No, no, we've got to spend time meditating on the Word of God. And not just glancing through the Word. Yeah, you know, today this is the lucky scripture of, of today. No, no, we've got to actually diligently, uh, Hebrews says, He rewards those who diligently seek Him. Spend time with Him. And the, uh, the one way to be filled with inexpressible this joy this joy that you cannot explain is by learning what Jesus spoke about in his word so that his joy can remain in us and that our joy that he's given us can be full over, over, overwhelming us over, overflowing we have to be a people uh, who are yielding continuously consistently in the Holy Spirit. Without that, it's impossible. Then what happens is we then do it in our own strength. And we know that when you start doing things in your own strength, it becomes work. It becomes hard. It becomes just, it's, it, it's, a, it's work. And I must be honest, I don't want to work. Like, I don't want to work for just work. I want to, I want to, I want the Holy Spirit to help me to work according to His way so that God the Father can receive the praise and glory that's due to His name. Can I ask us to close our eyes, please?